The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, uh, back in the saddle again here in the middle part of the country. Uh, last week, uh, we broadcast from Heart of an Angel Stables studio down there in Port Charlotte, Florida, where it was 76 and sunny every day of the week. Got to go to a Major League Baseball game. It was the Tampa Bay Rays against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, managed to find just about every Irish pub within 30 miles and uh, did a little fishing, caught a couple catfish. Nice guy that I am, I threw them back instead of throwing them in the uh, frying pan. And uh, on Saturday, went to Tampa Bay Downs. What a cute track that is. It reminds me so much of old River Downs there in Cincinnati. Uh, but uh, a very nice uh, track, attractive. Their turf course is beautiful. And I love the way they extend their distances and they kind of race across the infield and come right towards the grandstand <clears throat> and then make it into the bend and go around the, uh, uh, the, the inside oval. It's very nice. But all of a sudden it was, I don't know, I'm going to say about the fourth or fifth race. I look up and I hear, John, somebody's here to meet you. And uh, it was Margot Flynn, who many of you recall was the on-track uh, handicapper for many, many years. Well, she's kind of ascended the ranks and as doing more marketing, publicity, and just coordinating the events and things like that, and uh, has turned it over to a guy that we've had on the uh, show a few times. You know him as Shades, because he always wears them when he's in the paddock giving out his picks. So uh, there was uh, Margo Shades and the Director of Client Services, Richard Toda. So I want to thank my brother, Joe for setting that up, which I believe it was a setup. I don't know, unless the security cameras got me and they just wanted to check. Uh, and uh, also got to thank uh, my brother Mark. That was just super. My brother Dan, we all had a great day at the races. Didn't cash a whole lot of tickets, but just hanging out with those guys at the races and uh, walking around Tampa Bay Downs was uh, winning in its own right. So I want to thank them. And uh, our guest this evening, well, one she hasn't been on the show since 2015 when she won her first graded stakes race, and uh, that was at Keeneland. And now she won the grade two Fairgrounds Oaks and punched her ticket, Larry Jones and Cindy Jones' ticket with Street Band at 11 to 1 put in a beautiful ride that day uh of course uh, sophie's got a famous brother that rides across the pond and uh so we're gonna have sophie back on because now uh not only was i believe this first race was a grade three this was a grade two and uh now it looks like if all goes well for uh street band and the joneses uh they will be going 
to the Kentucky Oaks. So looking forward to uh, catching up with Sophie. Uh, she uh, just always has a beautiful smile and a positive attitude. And then handicapping is uh, we're going straight to the top at DRF with my friend Dan Illman. Uh, who you can see all the time on drf.com. Very smooth delivery uh, on his handicapping rationale. And uh, I don't know which race uh, we're going to highlight, but obviously I'm going to tap Dan to talk about the Dubai World Cup. Uh, It's uh, only worth uh, $12 million. That's right. And uh, a big field of 13. The, uh, according to the morning line guy, he's not even the favorite, but everybody's looking at Thunder Snow, uh, who would make history in the fact that uh, he won this race last year. Now, last year, I believe it, he had to break uh, from the outside again, and uh, he uh, uh, was got the lead early. So with this big field and some horses that have some good lick, uh, he's going to have to use that speed uh, to get at the races a mile and a quarter at Maidan. And don't forget that you can watch it. I believe that this race is going off at 1250, uh, 12.40, I stand corrected, uh, Eastern Standard Time. But if you want to start looking at million-dollar racing uh, with your uh, cup of coffee and a donut, the racing starts at Medan at 8.15 in the morning. Okay, folks, sorry. Set your alarm. Saturday, you're getting up early if you want to see some of the greatest international racing uh, that they, is, is offered. And then also, Dan is going to cover the uh, Gulfstream Park card. Uh, which just has a slew of stakes. We're only doing the creme de la creme, the grade one and grade twos. But, of course, the headliner there is the Express Bet Florida Derby. They'll be going a mile and an eighth. A lot of mystery horses here. Hopefully this is going to clear things up because let's face it, folks, the Triple Crown picture or the Kentucky Derby picture for starts is pretty muddled at the moment. You know, Hidden Scroll went off the favorite in the Fountain of Youth and got bumped and stumbled and eventually tired getting beat three lengths by Code of Honor, who's in this race, and Bourbon War, who's in this race. A lot of hot talk on maximum security adjacent service trainee. Louis Sayez will ride that one. And a horse I'll be pulling for. Can't believe it's 15 to 1. I guess they feel his holy bull time wasn't all that great. Harvey Wallbanger. Yes, the drink in the buffalo will be ridden by my friend Brian. Hernandez and trained by Kenny McPeak. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for those guys. This horse likes to come from out of the blue, and it uh, looks like there's probably going to be enough speed in there to potentially set it up. But hey, I'm going to leave the winners of those races up to Dan Illman to figure out. And so, with such a big week of racing, The tool you can use, aside from the tips from Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum, would be our easy win forms at uh, winningponies.com. You just uh, go over to the site. It's a minimal cost. Uh, You can check them out, and you can see uh, the results of what they brought just over the last week or so. Uh, Really good week at Gulfstream, which I'm happy to hear. Uh, We're talking six days ago, uh, had two 
really good winners. A Super 5, $1 Super 5 box paid $1,749. And on the same day, a $1 Pick 5 paid $1,500. And the day before that, a $1 Super High 5 at Gulfstream returning $1,585. So uh, winningponies.com getting dead on with uh, – uh, the action down there at Gulfstream Park. Now, uh, in my rush to get here, I don't know where I deleted or how I deleted, but one of the great things, the first night I was home with my brother Dan, we uh, we turned on uh, racing on TVG, and the races were coming up from Rose Hill and got to see Winks. And I believe this was 32 in a row. Um, so... This is her next-to-last race, and as always, she puts a little bit of scare in you. There are like five horses ahead of her uh, pulling for home, but the outstanding history-making mare, Winks, got the job done, and uh, she's going to go out in about three weeks here. We're going to stay tuned to that uh, for her final career races. Now, her connections have said that um, they don't, they're bringing in every expert they can find to figure out uh, who to breed her to. Obviously, uh, she could have her choice of any stallion in the world. Uh, but uh, Winks, her final race is coming up. I'll get the exact uh, date and time. I had to watch the races at Rose Hill at about uh, 1 in the morning. I'm going to say it was when we got to see her win. But uh, she is exciting. But uh, even though she had to try hard, all of a sudden when she hit the final, oh, 40 yards, she just went into cruise control and pulled away. So uh, that the continuing story of Winks, and she's getting to, rate, to take her bow from racing in her next start. So, again, getting back to the, to the World Cup, uh, wanted to remind you again, the post for the big race is 1240. And uh, a lot of people think that the Thunder Snow is going to uh, make history, uh, that he's uh, sitting on a win and, and doing extremely well right now. And obviously, we know he's is the horse for horse uh, at Maidan. So uh, this is something we're all want to going to keep an eye on. Now, so there's a lot of top American horses. Uh, they're going to be over there, five of them, including uh, Charles Fifty's homebred, Seeking the Soul, uh, who came in off a runner-up, finished a City of Light in the Pegasus World Cup Invitational. Uh, so he, he's going to be one. And then uh, Pletcher is hoping for a turnaround uh, from Audible, a winner of last year's uh, Florida Derby. And uh, we've also got Yoshida from the Bill Mott Barn uh, that's that's going to be going to post. Uh, has not won this year, has only been out once. Um, and ended up rallying off the pace. I don't know if that was a prep for this or what. Jose Ortiz, though, is going over for the ride. And though he's retired from football, he's not uh, the man's American, but the horse named after him isn't. Gronkowski will be going to post. All right, let's take a look at some of the races we looked at last week with Ryan Martin down at the fairgrounds. Most importantly, the Twinspires.com Louisiana Derby, a million dollars on the line. And uh, getting the job done, Ryan gave us two long shots 
uh, that day. Of course, War of Will was the odds-on favorite, and uh, looked like something happened coming out of the gate. I was watching about four jumps out of the gate. I said, uh-oh. I mean, it looked like Barbaro or something. Uh, it's like his hind end uh, came out from behind him. It did not look good, but he finished the race, and he galloped out, uh, but uh, – at, at four to five, didn't even hit the board. And I do understand that Mark Cassie said there is some concern about uh, some activity in his hind end. And they're going to look at it. They're hoping it's not serious enough that they're going to have to stop on training him uh, because this horse just looks sensational uh, when he finally moved uh, to turf, off turf. Because he was a son of Warfront, and they figured that's what he'd like, and he was just great winning the LeCompte and the Risen Star, the two preps for the Louisiana Derby. But it looks like Brett Calhoun uh, will be uh, going to Kentucky. 22 to 1 shot by my standards, rallied from fourth to take the Louisiana Derby. And then. Sophie Doyle, we're going to be talking to her here in just a few minutes, got the job done with Street Band. Now, this is a homebred of the Joneses. The horse is owned by uh, Cindy and Larry Gome, uh, uh, Jones and uh, Ray Francis, I believe his name. They all bred him to a $5,000 stallion by the name of Istan. And uh, Sophie was bumped at the start. She took it back in hand, uh, saved ground. Well, listen, I'm not going to tell you what the horse did other than Street Band ended up winning by three and three quarter lengths. Uh, now, the heavy favorite in there, odds on, Sarah Genti. Empress, from what we understand, uh, she bled pretty bad. Uh, she was kind of eased through the stretch by Jimmy Graham. And from what I've seen, uh, tweets from Tom Amos say, hey, she's back. She did bleed. We're going to treat her. And uh, hopefully she'll, she'll respond well. So uh, Jimmy Graham doing the right thing down there at the fairgrounds uh, in, in the Oaks. But more importantly, Street Band is going to take Sophie Doyle on the ride of her life on the Friday before the Kentucky Derby. All right, those were the two main races we handicapped last week. Again, I want to thank Ryan Martin for giving us that big-time exacta. And right now, we're going to take a little bit of a break. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me, a woman has, that has one of the sweetest smiles you will ever see in racing and a whole lot of talent as a rider. The last time we had her on Winning Ponies was back in 2015 after she rode Fia Ready to victory in the quarter-million-dollar Thoroughbred Club of America, and uh, that uh, uh, was a big upset Correct me if I'm wrong, Sophie, but was Groupie Doll in the field of the Thoroughbred Club that day? In the group, in the field at all, I actually rode Fioretti in the Groupie Doll stakes at Ellis Park. Um, that was one of my first stake races on Fioretti, in which I ran second on well, like I said, it just see it seems like yesterday I spoke to you, and uh, now it's it, it's it's been several years. Let's rewind a little bit, uh, Sophie, because we've gotten a lot yeah. more listeners over the last three years. And uh, can you kind of paint your resume uh, for us? Because I think some people will notice that uh, you don't exactly have a Brooklyn accent. So take us back to your early days, if you would. Oh yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, I'm actually from I moved over from England five and a half years ago and I rode in England for seven years and I would travel around a little bit and I rode out in Dubai a couple of winters as well so I was there for the the last meet at Nadal Sheba which is where I actually won one of my first races on the dirt and then I was rode at Maidan when I first set up and then a couple of years later I decided to move over to America after a few a few couple of months of working holidays over here and I decided after, you know, a good career in England that I wanted to make a move, make a fresh start. So I made my way over the pond and came over this way. And I started actually riding um, in California first. And then I moved over to Kentucky. And Kentucky's been my home now for the past four five, four years, really. And uh, Sophie, it, it's... Uh you you weren't the first person in your uh, your family to be involved in racing, correct? No, not at all. I was actually brought up by my mum, uh, Jacqueline Doyle. She trained racehorses for twenty five years, as well as actually having produced um, a lot of top grade A show jumpers throughout her her lifetime. And then also my brother James Doyle. He also is a very well known jockey in England. And um, he rides prominently for the Godolphin team. So I have a good racing background. Yes, you do. And and, and I've had the pleasure of uh, of meeting your mother uh, on several occasions because I know she does make trips here to the States. By any chance, was she on hands for your Fairgrounds Oaks win? She actually wasn't. Um, actually, neither my brother or my mom were on hands. They were... Um, they were actually both on a flight out to Dubai, and my mom was actually trying to watch the race um, through um, Twin Spires, but for some reason, it just it, things weren't working. Technology these days, it just they had a bit of an issue, 
So when I actually got back in from the race and I was excited to see, you know, speak to my mum and my brother and I looked at my phone and I saw all these messages, calls, and then not one message from those guys. And I was like, fair <laughs> enough, like, where are they? Um, but they never, neither one of them actually told me, hey, we're on the, we're on the flight to Dubai, so if you can't get us, that's why. Right. So I was sort of a bit like, oh, okay, well, maybe it wasn't such a big deal to them. And then I finally got a hold of them, and take, finally they messaged me back, and they were like, hey, so we're just about to land. We've been on a flight to Dubai. And I was like, oh, phew. Thank God for that. So I actually um, I had to wait for them to get off the plane. And so, of course, naturally I was on cloud nine, so I didn't sleep very much at all. So I was awake all night. So I had a good talk with my mom and James afterwards, and it was brilliant. It was it was nice, but my mum will definitely be out here for the Oaks. Um, she is getting booked on a flight as soon as possible. Great. Well, I look forward to seeing her again. I look forward to seeing you again. I, I will be down in Louisville uh, on, on Derby Week. And uh, now, it, just before Brilliant. we get to Street Band, I want to talk a little You know, I, I've been reading this book, A Year in Kentucky with the Buck, uh, uh, written by Patrick Lawrence uh, Gilligan. And I know that mm-hmm. uh, you ride with Jack Gilligan, and uh, your your careers have kind of paralleled one another in some ways. In that you both kind of took the gamble uh, of you know leaving the the comforts of, of England and kind of rolling the dice and seeing if you could cut it here in North America. Yeah, we both have done. Um, Jack actually, you know, he rode a couple of times. You know, just a couple of times in England, and then with his parents' decision, they decided to move over here. So Jack actually, um, he had the little bit more of a leg up that he had the bug, so he was able to start off his career with the bug, whereas I didn't have the bug at all. So mine probably took a little bit longer to get going. I was here um, a year before Jack. So I kind of, it was a little bit tougher because I didn't have the bug and I had to break in. And of course I was by myself. I didn't know anybody. So everybody I met, I just had to keep making more and more connections. Um, and Jack and I actually ended up riding at Turfway together. And we both, um, in one race, had a dead heat together. So it was pretty <laughs> cool to be racing with a fellow Englishman that we both dead heated in one race. So that was pretty nice. And we seem to have stayed on the same tracks, too. So we've been there for each other's careers quite a lot. That's great. That's great. It is a good book. I can tell you that. I did finish it during mm-hmm. my visit to Florida. Now, let's talk a, a little bit about Street Band because I love all the people associated with it present company included but mm-hmm. uh, Larry and Cindy Jones have just been uh, two of my favorite people to uh, t- to watch and uh, uh, hardworking you know religious honest mm-hmm. uh, you know Larry had that close call a couple of years ago when he got bucked off that two-year-old and for them to breed this horse, I love when a five thousand dollar stallion produces a grade two, yeah, four hundred thousand uh, dollar, um, and and I'm so glad that they stuck with you. So tell me, how did you get in their shed, bro? How did you get to meet them? Um, I actually, when I started going down to the fairgrounds, uh, my first year down there, I'd obviously you walk around the barns, you meet all the trainers, and um, I just try to build up. Uh, 
a good relationship with the trainers so they get to know you and as I always say you never know what can come around and it's always a very big wheel and it always keeps turning so um, you always want to be happy talkative build up a good reputation with people so they get to know you more and become you're more friendlier when you're walking through the barns and they're used to you being around and and actually this um, this past meet uh, I was coming down from racing in Arlington for the summer. My agent, Penny Fitch-Hayes, wanted to stay up there in Hawthorne because she has family commitments. So that was fine. So I actually picked up another agent, Derek Ducoin, um, who also happens to have Gabriel Sires as well. So he's had a very good um, rapport with Larry Jones, and he said to me, look, while Gabriel's going to be staying in Kentucky at Churchill for the fall, would you be able to go there? a bit sooner and you'll primarily you'll be working a lot of horses for Larry and I said no absolutely not I really appreciate it so um, I was there for a month earlier before Gabriel so I managed to be able to get along with quite a few of the horses and when the meet started Gabriel wasn't quite there yet so I was able to ride a few of them and one of them of course happened to be street band and he really liked the way that we got along with each other and that's how we ended up pretty much We've um, built that relationship together. Well, it, it is a fantastic one. Now, tell me about Street Band. Uh, kind of, you know, you've been on a lot of horses in your lifetime. Um, you know, mm-hmm. what, what does she feel like? Uh, do you feel her getting better and better? Um, you know, kind of just to tell us about the, the, this filly that comes from such modest bloodlines. Yeah, absolutely. She, um, after this race, I mean, this race, She's improved and matured tremendously. Um, her general nature is she's a bit of, a, I call her a bit of a fiery hot redhead. Um, <laughs> she does have a few moments that you'll notice probably on, um, you will probably notice on Kentucky Oaks Day that there may be a chance I might have to break post braid because she gets a bit fractious. Um, so we try to do the best that we can just to keep her keep her calm as possible, keep her relaxed and try not to get into her, in her way too much. So we'll probably possibly break post, keep her quiet, keep her away until we're about to line up and go to the gate. Um, but apart from that, she's. I went down to Churchill this morning to visit her. She just got in from the fairgrounds last night. So went and had a little visit and a catch up and she settled in well and she was pretty happy with herself. Um, She's been doing really well since the race. And Corey York, who's Larry's assistant, he's been really happy with her. And the whole team, are, they're really excited. Well, Sophie, since this was uh, such a mo- monumental win for you, uh, you know, the fact that uh, if all things go well, Knockwood, uh, you will be riding in the biggest uh, race of your career. C- can you tell me about this race? Because you had to, you have really had to do some race riding, you know. I, I believe you were bumped at the start. Then you kind of mm-hmm. took her back. You sat in the two-pass, saving a little ground. You drafted inside. Well, anyhow, I'm not going to tell the story. You're the jockey. Take us out of the starting gate at the Fairgrounds Oaks. Uh, well, to be honest, it, honestly, her last three race, her last all three, her last three back-to-back races, and we've never got a chance to watch them all. They are almost identical to each time I've ridden. Each time those races have gone off, I've been in the same, almost in the same striking position, 
and the last two races now obviously I was right behind Sarah Gauthier Express and this time the only difference we were able to do was just to travel a bit easier and a bit more comfortable um, but starting off in this race when we broke from the gate I actually bumped the horse beside me in the four in the four hole I bumped her a little bit but then I was able to get away smoothly and take up a position I seen Corey landing on my inside he wasn't going forward like I thought he might do so I wanted to take up that position. And I said, this time, I know I know Serengeti. She's going to set a nice pace. Let's see if I can drop um, Street Band's head a little bit more and let her travel into the pit and be comfortable. And she did that beautifully. She traveled so nicely all the way around. And then just as we started to hit the turn, I was able to fill our lungs up and see what we had left in the tank. And I could honestly say at the 3-8 pole, I was just saying to myself, I'm going to win this. <laughs> we are going to win this race. And I love it. It was. I mean, it was just a moment where you're sitting there waiting, like, right, when do you get out? When we make our move, and let's show them what we can do. And when we came down the stretch, as soon as she switched leads on me, went left-handed, she just opened up and showed what she really can do. Well, obviously, you you pulled away by uh, three and three quarter lengths. Now, I know you're not the trainer, but uh, Larry Jones might. You know, give you some uh, some information as far as what his plans are. Uh, I, I don't see where he would have any reason to uh, you know race her again before the Oaks, and it'll probably be uh, mm-hmm. in short time that she'll be shipping north with him to Churchill. Does that sound about right? Yeah, there's um, yeah, there's no plans at all to run her again before the big day. She's um, she'll be at Churchill and she'll be breathing there, which I'll be traveling back traveling over there to breathe her on those days and keep an eye on her and um that's primarily what we'll be doing is just setting her up and being ready for the big day um we're all looking forward to it and the guys in the barn at larry jones's and her exercise rider everyday george he does a tremendous job with her because obviously she's she's pretty hot and happy and she enjoys her work and she enjoys going out to the track so she's one of those early birds in the morning that she doesn't like to be left in the stall for too long once everybody's up and being busy so she keeps them on their toes in the morning so they do a they do a great job because she's really becoming a true professional and a really classy filly well you you've become a very much of a true professional and you're a very classy uh, rider sophie doyle and uh, i wish you nothing but the best i look forward uh, to running into you down at churchill on derby week and uh, uh, seeing your mother again and uh, all i can say is you're on a good team and this is going to make a great story should you get there on the yeah. friday before the kentucky derby Thank you. It'd be absolutely brilliant. It's just, you know, it's amazing to be part of a team with Larry Jones. That this will be his fourth, his fourth Kentucky Oaks, and to be blessed that he actually bred and owns this filly this time. I think that's going to be an amazing story for him. Very, very special. I hope it's not the I last time I talked to you about a big win Certainly on not. Street Band. You know, she's only three, so yeah. hopefully she's mm-hmm. got a good future ahead of her, and hopefully you're in the saddle for that future, Sophie. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm really hoping so, and I'm hoping the dream keeps living on. So <laughs> it's been great so far, and I'm sure I'll continue to do so in the future. 
All right. Well, we've been talking with Sophie Doyle, who came in with 11 to 1 upset win in the Fairgrounds Oaks, the biggest score of her life. 400,000 and punches the ticket for street band to the Kentucky Oaks. Now we're going to take a little bit of a break and we come back. I've got Dan Illman with us once again. Uh, he's He rues the day that he gave me his phone number because when the big days come, I like to get Dan on the air. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with us once again, uh, the man with the smoothest delivery on horse racing on air from the Daily Racing Forum, it's Dan Elman. Dan, thanks for joining us again. John, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, especially for these humongous days of racing. We've got Florida Derby Saturday, we've got Dubai World Cup Saturday, and hopefully we get some racing back at Santa Anita this weekend with some great, great stakes races. Absolutely. Hey, Dan, you know, it's been a while since I asked you this question. Normally, I bring you on and we just jump right into the handicap, and, and we're going to do that rather quickly. But um, can you just kind of give a thumbnail sketch of your career and what landed you in the main chair at DRF.com? 
Well, I've always been a fan of horse racing ever since my dad and my great uncle took me to the track when I was a little boy. And going to Belmont Park and seeing just a mile and a half uh, of uh, beauty sort of made me realize what I wanted to do, and that was to be around horses. And I was very fortunate right out of college. I got an opportunity at the Sports Eye, the harness racing newspaper that also did thoroughbred programs. And then I got a job at the Daily Racing Forum. And here I've been for 20 years, handicapping races. Uh, right and wrong, and there's always one coming up tomorrow. So uh, I've been very fortunate, and you can catch all of our work at video.drf.com. We've got expanded stakes previews, just really in-depth analysis of all the major races. And I've been so fortunate to work with uh, great handicappers. You know, you Mike Watchmakers, your Brad Freeze, your Marcus Hirsch's, your Marty McGee's, Mike Beer, Matt Bernier. So uh, I'm learning something new every single day, and uh, we hope the fans do as well. Yeah, if anybody says they're not learning something new every day, they're lying because that's the fact uh, with this sport. There's just it, it's so broad, it's expanding, and it's becoming more and more international. And that brings me right into our uh, national uh, international group of races at uh, uh, Maidan or Maidan. I don't know. You say tomato, I'll say tomato. But uh, for those of us that don't get up early, because the first race starts at eight fifteen a.m. Hopefully you're up by 1240, and that's when the $12 million Dubai World Cup, sponsored by the Emirates Airline, is going to happen. There are just angles galore here. Of course, a lot of the spotlight is going to be on Thunder Snow, uh, who was a a dominant winner of this race last year. Most people connected with the horse aren't real happy about the number 12 post position, Uh, but there's some other players in there, and I've been hearing such an amazing buzz about this uh, British bred North America. Uh, When you look at this race, Dan, kind of tell me some of the ones that float to the top, although you could probably spend a half an hour talking about it. Certainly could, but the first thing I want to urge everybody that's watching the races at Maidan on Saturday morning is this. Keep an eye on how the track plays. Last year, you might remember when Thunder Snow went gate to wire in this race. It seemed like an intensely inside speed favoring track. We saw Mendelssohn dominate the UAE Derby on the lead, on the inside. And that's the way this track has played historically. So make sure in the early races to see if there is a bias. As for the horse you mentioned, North America, he is a speed horse. He is in phenomenal form right now. Right next door to him is a horse in phenomenal form with the same running style. His name is Capizano. Thunder Snow, we know, likes to be forwardly placed. He's going to be hustled out of his outside post position to try to avoid being forced too wide going into the first turn. This race might set up for a closer if there is not a bias. Of the North American-based runners... Perhaps the most notable closers are Yoshida and Gunavera, and I almost picked Yoshida, but he's such a one-run closer that I'm really worried about him coming from maybe 13th or 12th. So I landed on Seeking the Soul in this race, John, and Seeking the Soul is going to have to prove himself at a mile and a quarter, but he doesn't have to prove that he's a top-class horse for me. He won the Clark Handicap in 2017, and while he had an abbreviated campaign last year, he ran a good second in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. He ran a good second in the Pegasus World Cup, both behind a top horse in City of Light, and I think this horse can get the jump on the true closers from mid-pack. I like the rider switch to big money Mike Smith, and you don't get yeah. much more big money than $12 million in the Dubai World Cup. 
Alice Stewart says this horse is like a prize fighter. He seems to be training well, and I want to give him a shot at a mile and a quarter. Uh, that's great. Uh, you know, it, it, the, the morning line here, I'm not sure who makes it. I, of course, I get my PPs from the Daily Racing Forum, Dan. Uh, but right now, they've got North America listed as a tepid favorite at 5-2, to two, Seeking the Soul at, at Seven to one and thunder snow uh, at six to one. Uh, how that will change with the betting in North America, I'm not sure. Yoshida's listed at eight to one, but what's amazing is you have at least of the 13 horses, eight of them are millionaires and several are multi multi millionaires, topped by thunder snow with. $9.1 million in the bank. I mean, what What a talented group. I mean, it's almost like, I can't bet this race. I've got to watch it. There's too many good horses in there. Now, it's a sensational race. I mean, just look at Gunavera alone with $4.3 million in the bank and runner-up efforts in the Breeders' Cup Classic, Woodward, Travers, uh, third in the Florida Derby, a uh, horse like Audible, third in last year's Kentucky Derby coming into this race for Todd Pletcher. This is what cards like this they're all about. You get the world's best horses congregating in one spot, and they throw it down on the racetrack, there's value here, I think, in a race like this. I'm not sure how the North American pools are going to be bet. I have a feeling they're going to be tilted away from horses like North America and Capizano. Fans in North America, they know Yoshida. They know Gunavera. They know a horse like Seeking the Soul. They know a horse like Audible. Make sure you find your value in this race. I think Seeking the Soul is about right at 7 or 8 to 1. I'm not sure I'm going to get that price. Uh, I wouldn't take much less than six, though, because there are question marks about the mile and a quarter and whether this track will be biased. Well, again, I hope you all listen to the first uh, thing that Dan said is it's worth getting up a little bit early to see how the races are playing there. Because, as he pointed out, there there was a pronounced bias uh, last year. Very interesting, though, that uh, I guess Johnny V still shopping around for his derby horse and said, I'm not sure I want to make the trip, if that's what he said, or if they said, hey, we want Money Mike on our horse. But it will be interesting that uh, he probably passed on quite a few graded stakes races this weekend and uh, uh, to be over there to ride seeking the souls. But, so th- thanks for your input on that race. Um, now, uh, before we get on to the Florida Derby and, and the other races, by the way, we're going to pass on our break here because uh, Dan's just too valuable to uh, lose his opinion on. Um, will there be special programming from the the DRF that day? Absolutely. Not live, but we're going to have on-demand free video content already up on the site. Marcus Hirsch, international correspondent here at Daily Race Informer, already has his in-depth previews of the Dubai World Cup, the Dubai Golden Shaheen, the UAE Derby. On our special edition of Out of the Gate this week, we've got Mike Beer, Matt Bernier, and I talking about the Dubai World Cup, talking about the UAE Derby, talking about all the greatest stakes races at Gulfstream and Santa Anita on Saturday, and major races on Sunday as well. So it's all up, video.drf.com free and on demand and tomorrow morning 10 a.m eastern a special dubai world cup webinar i'm hosting i'm just asking questions and staying out of the way again we've got drs international expert marcus hirsch and we've got time forms mark milligan truly an expert on anything related to international racing that will also be archived on demand at video.drf.com and also on the daily racing form youtube channel 
man, you're good. <laughs> That's a whole lot. But uh, I hope you were listening, folks. Either way, jump over there. And, hey, you can start the work on your Saturday card uh, tonight or tomorrow morning if you want to. Well, uh, what, what looks to me one of the more uh, wide open races of uh, the, the prep road to the Kentucky Derby has to be this Florida Derby. Uh, there's question marks in there. You know, uh, Hidden Scroll was such a, you know, a, a now horse and a buzz horse that he went off the favorite in the Fountain of Youth, uh, got bumped around, stumbled at the start, had to be used, made the lead, got tired. Uh, can he bounce back from that? He's trained by a guy named Bill Mott that uh, I think can get over anything. Harvey Wallbanger, his uh, holy bull, as I'm sure Mike Watchmaker would tell you, not the fastest time, didn't impress him. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I was impressed by the gutsy effort uh, that, that he put in there. And also I got uh, two personal friends connected with the horse, Kenny McPeak and Brian Hernandez. Uh, then we move along towards the outside. Uh, you've got uh, maximum security uh, coming into this race undefeated, three for three, Jason service and uh, this uh, code of honor that Johnny V sticking around to ride for uh, Shug McGahee who knows this could be the next orb uh, you know I, I, I just mentioned uh, four horses and I left Bourbon War off the list <laughs> Dan Elman, help hey listen the key to this race is the pace and how fast you think that they're going to go early because as we saw in the Fountain of Youth Hidden Scroll, as you mentioned, was bumped at the start, and then he was embroiled in a very hot and contested speed duel with Gladiator King. Now, I know Gladiator King was a million to one in that race, but Gladiator King is not a bad horse. We saw him come back and win the great at Hutchison last week at Gulfstream. Hidden Scroll put Gladiator King away. He put the stalker away. He just couldn't pull it off the closers at the very end. I don't think the pace is going to be as contested this time around. Hidden Scroll draws the inside. I think Javier Castellano has one way to go, and I think that is to the front. I think he can dissuade the other pace. I think he'll be in front turning for home, and we're going to find out if this hype is for real, because after that triple-digit buyer speed figure debut, everybody was talking about Hidden Scroll. This derby season is waiting for someone to basically grab the brass ring and become the favorite for the Kentucky Derby. And I think Hidden Scroll might be the one to go gate to wire. I don't think I'm going to get a price, though, John. That's very worrisome to me. Um, you, you know, while you, while you say that about the mix, and, and I know I'm digressing from the Gulfstream Park uh, card, but because of the situation in Santa Anita, uh, Bob Baffert had to go to Plan B, which turned out to be uh, the, the two Rebel races with Game Winner and Improbable. Uh, do you feel that neither of those horses hurt their chances with their second-place finishes in those races? I don't think Game Winner hurt his chance at all. I think he was a horse that probably is just going to keep going, getting better with additional distance and with additional maturity. Improbable to me on paper going into this, that race. Probably should have won. Uh, it was hard for me to imagine. And no disrespect to Long Range Toddy, Steve Asmussen's horse. He is a nice, consistent horse. I think he probably hurt himself a little bit. And again, he lost some training time. He had to go to Plan B. That's all well and good. I prefer game winner of those two. I'm not willing to give up on him just yet. Improbable's got to show me something next time. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I know that's the way he'd play it, but, you know, all of Baffert's quotes were 
not disappointed, you know, would have liked to have won, but uh, they all got something out of the race, and uh, what I'm aiming for is is down the road. Well, uh, also at, at Gulfstream Park, we've got an Oaks race, uh, the Gulfstream Park Oaks. Uh, sad to say, uh, the $250,000 grade two status and points only drew seven horses here, and it looks like the odds maker can't split uh, Point of Honor and Dunbar Road, they're almost equal in their morning line odds. And as of right now, Dunbar Road for Chad Brown is questionable to run on Saturday. She has also been considered for the Gazelle at Aqueduct going a mile and an eighth next week. Uh, if Dunbar Road scratches, that leaves this race devoid of pace, save for the number seven Cookie Doe, and Cookie Doe only has one fast race on her resume. That was her most recent start in her three-year-old debut. It was the Devona Dale, and the story of that race wasn't that Cookie Doe ran well at thirteen to one, or that the runner, or that the winner of the race, Jeltrin, won at fifty-one to one. But the story was that Champion Jaywalk just didn't fire in her seasonal debut. Cookie Doe, though, has handled this distance in the past. She was going to be prepared for the Breeders' Cup, a juvenile fillies, where she would have been a big price. She got sick before the race. She missed significant time. I thought she ran well in the Devona Dale. She put Jay Walk away, and she just could not hold off Cookie Doe. I like her in this spot to perhaps go wire to wire, and I would like her a lot more if Dunbar Road scratches for the gazelle. All right, Dan Elman giving us uh, uh, late-breaking news. And, Dan, I'll give some to you that I just got while we're on the air. And uh, it is from Dr. Joel Politi, who... um, owns Saragheny Empress, and he says she's doing fine. She's up at Churchill. Uh, she's going to start back in training this weekend, and we'll see how she does. Not really sure if she'll make it to the Oaks or not, but it'll depend on her overall health. She looked fine the next day. She behaved well. She'll train for a few weeks before we make it, and uh, the, the rest of the stuff was just personal. But uh, anyhow, you know, it, it was a shame because uh, it, when she has a good day, she's unbeatable, but she's had two bad days, and they came on awful big ones. So we may not be seeing uh, Sarah Ganey in the Oaks, which – who knows, could open the door for my girl Sophie Doyle and Street Band. But we're talking Gulfstream Park uh, with Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, so, uh, and we just uh, came off the Oaks. Uh, Cookie Dough could go wire to wire. Uh, Point of Honor is uh, trained by George Weaver. Uh, won the Sun Coast at Tampa. It's not even a graded race, a $100,000. But uh, the odds maker there made this horse. Uh, uh, nine to five. It's, uh, she is a daughter of Curl, and he's as hot as they can get right now. I'm seeing the results come in from the Gulfstream Park sale, and I think he had two million dollar babies yesterday uh, run. So um, let's go on to uh, a, a race that uh, owes a great distance, but again, sad to say, drew a short field. It's the Grade Two, three hundred thousand dollar Gulfstream Park Mile, and well, this uh, in this. No, go ahead, John. I mean, I'm just saying you're right. It's just a shame that a race like this drew a field of six, especially where you see a horse that's 99 to 1 on the morning line. You don't see horses 99 to 1 on the morning line in a 20-horse field. We've got one in a six-horse field. Yeah, that's what's called hustling a horse into a race. Well, uh, this could be another reason why... John Velasquez is not in Maydan, and uh, he's at Gulfstream because uh, uh, Prince Lucky for Todd Plesher uh, just looks like 
yeah, a standout. I mean, the, the, the race is for plays. I don't want to take too much time on this race. Prince Lucky's return effort in the household was sensational. He was seven to one that day. He ran like a two to five shot. He is two to five on the morning line and deservedly so on Saturday. He can lead, he can rate, and if he runs anything close to that last race, these horses better have him held on tight. <laughs> You're right about that. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on Johnny V's mounts throughout the day uh, because we're, we're just hitting on the grade 1s and grade 2s. Uh, there, there's other great racing at Gulfstream Park that day, too. Uh, hopefully, uh, the the weather down there, as usual, will be good. And the Pan American, it's a distance test, a mile and a half on on the turf and uh unlike some of the other races uh the odds maker had his work cut out for him here because there's no real clear-cut favorite in my opinion dan elman this is a nice betting race and uh, i'm kind of leaning towards the michael maker duo in here a bigger picture and solio i trust bigger picture a little bit more solio has a lot too many seconds and thirds on his resume for my liking bigger picture is a hard hitter he's earned almost a million and a half in his career and maybe at the ripe old age of eight he's just lost a step but he showed some acceleration last time out at Sam Houston when he won the John B. Connolly for the second year in a row. I like the way he's put that field to bed on the third turn and route to a 97 buyer effort. What I like about him as well is he can be close to the pace. Other than the Todd Fletcher trained entrant in this race, there does not appear to be a lot of speed. And I would love to see Tyler Gaffalione get this horse into the race early, tracking and ready to make the first run because this old class master, you give him the right trip, he'll fire. Well, uh, again, it's uh, it's pretty wide open. I think the favorites either seven to two or four to one. So uh, you could have some uh, fun with with this race for sure. And uh, I, I guess uh, again, bigger picture, like you said, he can be right there. Uh, took down two uh, John B. Conleys, going a mile and a half on the turf. I mean, you really got to have a, a special talent to get that distance these days. I, I did see a comment on the them bringing the Triple Tierra races back, but uh, at some shorter distances than, than they used to. They're not asking Phillies uh, to go a mile and a half in New York for that uh, series. Nope, doesn't appear they're going to be going that sort of distance. But again, it's great to get this sort of high-class racing back. Um, and we're seeing it all across the country, and it's uh, pretty much we're starting to get hot and heavy now leading up to the Kentucky Derby and into the Triple Crown. Hopefully the weather uh, cooperates at Gulfstream. Hopefully the track cooperates at Santa Anita. Hopefully we don't get too much of a biased race course overseas, but, boy, I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to this weekend, and uh, I'm looking forward to the Triple Crown season because, as we've already said, no three-year-old rules really stood out just yet this spring. No. No, nobody's got the target on their back. <clears throat> I don't know how much things can change in the next couple of weeks either. Uh, you know, we know some horses are, are, are going to get in because they've already got enough points, but uh, there'll be a shakeup along the way. And I really think it's going to be a scramble, Dan, in the bluegrass stakes for a lot of these horses that missed preps or didn't win once they were supposed to especially of the horses from Southern California that might be shipping in there. That's going to be a big race for Signal Man. Uh, I think this is a horse that's going to have to put things together. He disappointed just a little bit in his most recent start. And the Bluegrass just looks like the kind of race that might be good for him. And let's not give up on Vacoma just yet. I believe he was third in the Fountain of Youth. Uh, this horse showed some ability at shorter distances early in his career. And I think he's a horse that... 
you might not want to sleep on, because if he fires in the bluegrass, something tells me he's going to head into Churchill Downs as an under-the-radar type. Well, I, I really think it's well. It's, it's always a big day, but that race is, is going to be very interesting because you're, you're going to see some horses where uh, they're ever improving, but it's their last chance to punch their ticket into the starting gate on the first Saturday of May. All right, Dan, you gave it to us earlier. I want it again. Give us Saturday's coverage from go to woe so our listeners can write it down as fast as they can. Please head on over to video.drf.com or the Daily Racing Form YouTube channel. We've got expanded stakes previews. We've got long-form shows. We are talking about all the big races this weekend. Free and on-demand video content from myself, Mike Fear, Matt Bernier, Marcus Hirsch, Mike Watchmaker, Jay Privman. We've got a lot of great handicappers giving out different opinions and a lot of analysis on these races. So, uh... Bring out those PPs and uh, handicap along with us. <laughs> I do. I do. And all those difference of opinions cost me a lot of money because I got to put a lot more horses in my races than I originally intended to. Because it's like, well, oh, Mike makes sense. Uh, uh, Dan makes sense. Uh, Matt makes sense. It's like, but wait, they all had a different horse. So <laughs> I got to mix them up. But I have made money off you guys, too. Don't get me wrong. But uh, Dan Elman, again, Always appreciate your time and, uh, you know, wishing nothing but the best always. And uh, thank you so much for being on Winning Ponies. Hey, John, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Look forward to doing it again soon. You know I'll be reaching out to you around Derby time. We've been talking with Dan Illman. Uh, earlier uh, on the card, we uh, talked with uh, Sophie Doyle about her career and uh, the biggest win of her career on uh, Street Band in the Fairgrounds Oaks and the fact that uh, she'll probably be riding the day before the Kentucky Derby. So thank you again for listening. Tell your friends if they missed the show, they can get it on podcast. A lot of good information and great people. I want to thank you. I want to thank the producer, uh, Josh. I want to remind you, with all this handicapping, come on over to winningponies.com and pull down those easy win forms. I'm John Engelhart. You've been listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.